Bitfarvo, the home of crypto trading, um, buying and selling 175 digital assets, uh, I always think is pretty awesome. And I'm a fan myself, so uh, I'm delighted to to get stuck into this one. Guy, thanks for joining us. Nice, uh, Elliot. Great to uh, be here today. Uh, actually, you mentioned 157. Actually, we're close to the 200 now at this moment. We're now listing, uh, the team is now listing more and more assets. And uh, yeah, we're trying to uh, become uh, one of the uh, biggest uh, crypto exchanges in Europe. Um, in a nutshell, yeah. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about your role as a CTO of the organization and and what that what that actually looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think generally, uh, looking also also a CTO role, I think there's uh, three main uh, pillars that are pretty important for the role: is the, is the people side, is the technology, and the business. So. Pretty much, uh, if you can see uh, Bitvavo, Bitvavo uh, was launched in uh, 2018 as really like an MVP, um, but very, very rapidly, just with a matter of a few years, uh, we could acquire a million of customers, um, which obviously you can imagine uh, is a great product market fit. It's a fully bootstrapped yeah. uh, company. Um, so whilst the business is there, obviously you need to uh, build also a sustainable technology who can scale and sustain this uh, fast growth. Uh, and this is, of course, built by people. So if you're looking at the pillars as a CTO, uh, it's really the people, business, and, and technology. The the journey that we've spoken about over the last four years, I find is fascinating. So started in summer 2018, quite quickly amassed 15,000 customers, but helped the audience understand a little bit more about the growth trajectory recently. And coming close to to two million customers, and and tell us how active uh, some of that percentage is as well. Yeah, definitely. I think besides the the, the amount of uh, customers, of course, this is the uh, one one data point. But uh, also looking at uh, um, basically other data points because you have different type of customer, different segmentations. Yeah. Um, looking in 2021, uh, there was a trading volume of uh, close to 140 billion. Uh, if you look at that, uh, GDP of Luxembourg or a small European country is probably somewhere around 70 to, uh, to 80. So you can see it as a double than the GDP of a, of a country. I find it very fascinating. Wow. Um, now, of course, all this uh, trading volume, people who buy and sell actively via the platform, um, yeah, our, our, our customers, and we are trying to uh, to acquire more customers as well around Europe. Uh, we're currently uh, the fifth largest uh, exchange in uh, based on uh, trading values in Europe. If you look at right. other uh, more leading exchanges, are actually Binance, Coinbase, Kraken, which actually are not European. Uh, one is American, the other one is uh, registered in Panama, operating in Hong Kong, some kind of a shady. So we are really uh, one of the the true European. Uh, exchanges. Uh, and yeah, we are regulated by the Dutch bank as well. Uh, and the heart is uh, uh, is in, actually in Ham- Amsterdam, so a fully European yeah. company. And in fairness, they're not bad names to sit behind. Let's be fair. Absolutely. Binance, Coinbase, and Kraken. Absolutely, but I still feel uh, we can uh, kick some ass and and uh, and, and <laughs> become one of those uh, leaders. Well, what's your role looked like then? Joining the business, probably coming in at, at quite a nice time. What, what did that role look like? 
over the last couple of years? Uh, help us understand some of the challenges that you've gone through. Um, so obviously, I mentioned one of them. The the, the, the product was built uh, initially back then as an as a MVP. I think every yeah. successful startup has to start somewhere. If you look at Airbnb, at Netflix, uh, they all had some some MVPs, and and eventually you need to, in order to make them more scalable, uh, if it's and be able to amount the number of requests. Like if you look at our platform, we have somewhere between uh, uh, 200,000 to half a million sessions every single moment in the app. People who check uh, for Bitcoin prices, for uh, whatever, any kind of digital assets. All wow. of this needs to be sustained by, by technology. Uh, yeah. Similar to Netflix, Airbnb, and many other companies face within the years. Uh, you need to, of course, migrate to a different architecture. So we did a few things. Uh, first of all, we tried to find the quick wins. Um, and as well, we came up with a plan how to move toward a more kind of events-driven architecture uh, in contrast with the previous architecture, which was mostly a cron base. Cron base is, of course, <coughs> great, but it's based on, on a lot of database, uh, which obviously is less elastic technology compared to technologies like Kafka, um, and, and, and a few others. Uh, now, of course, to build the, this, this new technology, of course, you need people. Uh, when I joined, uh, it was a small team of uh, around seven, seven engineers. Yeah. Um, now we are a bit more uh, of a bigger, bigger department. We have a much bigger capacity. But I would say we need, we need a good plan, but we also need to make sure that we have enough people who can execute uh, uh, this kind of plan. Nice. Uh, I think that the scaling architectures is something that I think we should dive in a little bit more of and understand some of some of the challenges and some of what you learn along the way. Uh, I think obviously the scale part with, you know, how many sessions you are, hundreds of thousands of sessions that you're seeing constantly with Bitcoin prices, changes and what people are looking at. So uh, how do you a, develop that mindset and hire the right people to actually build some of these services? It's a, it's a very good, uh, good question. I think uh, um, that basically some, some knowledge was also missing. So if it's uh, really building the knowledge yeah. internally or hiring sometimes knowledge, uh, which is not, uh, does not virtually exist uh, within the company, uh, so I think this this is what we did in parallel, really building the knowledge internally. We moved towards services like more uh, Kubernetes um, yeah. uh, and and more kind of events driven, more more things with Kafka, so fully a, a live stream platform. Um, and of course, you start from from a few places where you can uh, where can, you can get maybe more like a quick wins. You can tr try with p proof of concept. It's also yeah. a learning experience for the team, and then uh, within time, uh, you can, uh, if you have the right focus, of course, you can uh, migrate to, uh, um, to to this new uh, new setup. Uh, so the first thing was to add actually building a proper infrastructure layer. So it's uh, if it's with Terraform, uh, fully automation, Kubernetes, uh, service mesh with Istio, uh, all those security layer, uh, CI/CD. Things that actually were not so, uh, maybe sometimes basics for some companies, but it was not existing if you look at it a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, when it was an MVP. Um, so it's really making, building a strong foundation first. And yeah. once uh, you have strong foundations, you can build on top of it 
And this is the stage where we are now. Uh, we have the, the foundations, most of the foundations are there. And we're now building uh, more toward actually changing the architecture toward the microservices, uh, events-driven architecture. Um, and the challenge sometimes, uh, especially when you start as a small, first of all, you are a small team. When you are, let's say, yeah. we were not on monolith, but if you look at pure monolith, which is maybe an easier example, yeah, uh, you can see that uh, if you have too many people working on this monolith, there are more conflicts. There's more. Uh, it's harder to merge things. Uh, people are afraid to deploy stuff because there's a lot of changes from all the teams. Uh, and, and this makes it a bit more fragile and, and limit the, the, the speed. So this is what we could also observe somewhat. And in yeah. contrast, in the microservice ecosystem, we're trying to bring more ownership to the team. So the teams own nice. uh, the services. The teams can be autonomous. They can deploy separately, independently, as much as possible uh, um, uh, from the rest of the teams uh, and move fast. And this is... Uh, um, the challenges we we are, we are still actually facing because we're still in the migration throughout the, this new new architecture. Yeah. Um, but you can see that there is more ownership. Uh, is, uh, the, the speed is improving. So my maybe takeaway from this uh, part is really about uh, well, you can uh, basically hire more people, but eventually, if you need, it's not necessarily will improve the speed. Uh, to really improve the speed, you have to make sure that you also adapt your architecture. So really in a natural architecture comes hand in hand with uh, with team structure. So both company culture, team structure, and architecture comes all, all really together. Yeah, I, I hear that so often on this pod, as in uh, someone said probably 20, 30 podcasts ago, I've repeated it a couple of times, your architecture is a reflection of your communication within the business and that will probably come down to team structure as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really about the, the, the right team structure and by the way, in the right architecture, but also it's, it's, it's uh, good to mention that, yeah, well, if you start your, your, your new startup tomorrow, uh, you probably might not want to start with all the microservices or all this advanced uh, setup. Uh, okay. before you actually know you have a product market fit. So I think what's really important is to start as Bitvavo started, uh, as quick as possible, see if it works, and then tackle uh, the challenges step by step and, and make sure that you pay the debt on time, uh, or the technical debt that you adapt it, um, yeah. and, and so on. This might be slightly away from the technology conversation that we're on, but uh, has there been a lot of learnings building a crypto exchange you know we do know crypto can be volatile it doesn't necessarily coincide with building a product but i do feel there's quite a lot of unknowns with with the crypto space generally has it been tough understanding some of the business logic or some of the domain to actually build a product the right way has that been a challenge or am i reaching um I think the uh, so of course is the, the challenge of understanding the, the the industry or the technology side of things if it's uh, a connection uh, to the crypto world because eventually Bitvavo uh, is pretty much a gateway to the digital assets. Uh, so yeah. of course you need, you eventually we wrap up with very nice interfaces, easy to use interfaces, True. UI UX, 
Um, but behind it, of course, you need to make all those integrations. Uh, if it's to blockchains with crypto nodes, if it's to different exchanges, we do trading by ourselves also in house. Um, and, and of course, you have the, 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 the other the technology aspect, which is uh, existing in every other company. Uh, if it's like APIs, make sure they are reliable, uh, up and running. Yeah. Uh, the B2C side, so a business to consumer, uh, as you might know, but we also have a B2B side as well. So basically, uh, we have uh, different clients. Actually, one of the uh, uh, leading uh, stock apps in the Netherlands is also uh, integrating to the Bitvavo API. So basically, if you buy and sell crypto assets on their platform, it's actually happening within Bitvavo. So of course, for the B2B world institutions, we have a different, uh, different requirements, different SLAs, different uh, uh, needs. Uh, uh, and, and this, of course, creates creates some some complexity. Um, but for the rest, uh, I think the, if you look, the, the secret sauce really of, of Bitvavo is really keep things simple, stupid as really? much as possible. Uh, it's really about the simplicity. You just uh, want to buy Bitcoin, you see an opportunity, not just Bitcoin, yeah. but any, any of the other uh, uh, close to 200 assets that we have. Uh, you just go deposit your money, you get it within a, uh, immediately to your account, and you can just buy it in the right time for you. Uh, yeah. You have a very simple KYC process. Um, and I think this is pretty much one of the, the simplicity is actually also the power of, uh, of Bitwap. So we're not aiming to be Binance with all the advanced features. That could be something maybe uh, to consider in the future, but yeah. uh, really make the, sim- the simplicity even more simpler. Yeah, uh, I think the simplicity on the front end in the UI, especially if I if I look at the market, and this is a stab in the dark, uh, I think a lot of people uh, really recently w- wanted to get into buying crypto as easy as possible because it is volatile, it is a craze, and you don't want to go through a six to 12-week verification process that I've seen on other platforms. That That's where I see you might be able to win that simplicity value, because if you can just log onto the platform, authenticate yourself quite quickly, buy some Bitcoin, you'll be winning. Well, exactly. you're fifth, essentially. Exactly. Uh, absolutely, to the point. Um, two two million customers. That's close significant. To yeah. Close to. Yeah. Close to. So that's uh, I think largely from a B two C angle, but also incorporates the the B two B angle as well that you just touched on. What's big, been your biggest learning journey building a product that incorporates customers or consumers in the millions? Because that is pretty impressive, and like you said, you know that that's probably been one of your biggest challenges to date in your career. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's definitely a challenge. Uh, we're trying, as I mentioned already before, is really looking what are the quick wins because eventually, what you need to do, you have a long term plan, uh, but the long term plan takes some time. It takes uh, yeah. if I, if I look at the Alternative companies like Gita, for example, uh, they're running the migration from a singular big database uh, since 2018 or 19, and moved to our microservices. You can read it in their also engineering blog. And so those things take time. And yeah. So what you need to do, you of course need to start working on, on on this plan because otherwise it would never end. 
but more incrementally. So try to really uh, go for uh, iterative transformation. So do a step-by-step gradual progress. And in parallel, when it's really needed, now we see, for example, when we uh, listing new coins, it also allows us to acquire new customers because people see, ah, now uh, there's a new asset available in Bitvavo. And, yep. and this is an opportunity for people to, uh, uh, to join uh, as well. Uh, but obviously, that's increasing uh, more traffic. That means uh, somewhat, yep. uh, 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 which is great, by the way. It's happy news. It's, uh, it's, it's great news. Uh, but to really make it sustainable, you also you need to find what are the, how can you give some room to brief? So if okay. it's uh, uh, sometimes could be, of course, sometimes over provisioning, if it's about, yep. uh, uh, which of course a quick win, there's also limitations to that. But really try to look uh, what other technologies can give you a quick, quick impact. So like within a matter of weeks, you can just implement them. And we looked at a few of those. Uh, we saw that, uh, hey, we're using Kafka, for example, it helped us to release a lot of pressure from the database. Kafka is more elastic, more scalable. And we could see that uh, the amount of incidents, if, if you look at, at downtimes, is dramatically decreased. Uh, we try to look uh, uh, what can we move out of the database to make it a bit more lean. Okay. Uh, so give the database some room to brief and, and that allows the business to uh, continue growing uh, within the short term. Uh, I can uh, see your CTO-ness coming in here, l- looking at the product, thinking about more coins coming into the platform, acquiring new customers, new technologies to allow you to scale. Uh, as a CTO of a growing and thriving startup, what else are you trying to think about at the moment? Because there are one or two things that I'm sure are part of a much bigger picture. Give us a bit of insight into, I guess, the next 12, 24 months for Bitvavo and what you might be incorporating from potentially a product sense, a hiring sense, or, or a technology sense. Yeah, it's a it's a really good uh, a good one, uh, good question. Um, I think while we have a lot of uh, great initiatives uh, planning on the roadmap, uh, to be honest, right now is the, ch- the challenge is mostly about okay, what should we focus on because there is so many opportunities, and opportunities of course enabled by uh, business. Uh, it could be business opportunities, but it could be market as well. How the market change. Uh, could be uh, also about uh, different technologies uh, that are available. Um, what we're trying to do uh, currently, because obviously you mentioned this, the complexity also uh, of, of yeah. building a crypto, crypto exchange company. Yeah. And obviously, there's also the, the, the operational side of things and, and so on. So it's not just even the technology. So what you might want to ensure is that... Um, these as minimal operations as possible so the team can really focus on innovation and bringing, bringing those, implementing those new initiatives. Uh, there are plenty of them. If you look in the market, actually, uh, these MICAR uh, regulations uh, which coming into Europe. Uh, currently, what they? in a nutshell, MICAR, what does it mean? It's, it's uh, that if currently, if you, if you want to operate as a crypto company, you need to obtain a license uh, for every country. Mika would try to apply that you have one license and you can basically operate in entire Europe. But in, on the other end, it also gives uh, uh, new opportunities because uh, it also allows banks to also deal with crypto. 
which meaning that uh, if banks want to deal with crypto, you're opening a new door for a kind of more B2B side, uh, let's say, if, if yeah. you work with institutions and so on. So I think there's plenty of opportunities. You can see the market uh, uh, of other um, other crypto exchanges having from kind of the more financial instrument of really being a bank to provide you the credit card. Uh, you can move money between friends. It's really becoming more like a bank. And some crypto providers who uh, more toward the trading uh, side of things, so providing yeah. all the advanced tooling for the pro traders uh, with all the... Uh, from candle charts to uh, um, to uh, different order uh, uh, order uh, uh, instrumentations uh, and 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 so on. So I think this is enough where Bitvavo could could explore. It's a question, of course, uh, uh, you, if, if what is the capacity? And as I mentioned, we're building now, continue strengthening our team to increase this capacity. We try to uh, reduce as many operational work as possible. So this way we can uh, move even faster um, and and move toward our goal to become a leader. Yeah, great. Okay, smart. I, I think even touching on some points there around um, market or what's in the market at the moment or changes to regulation, changes com- com- to compliance, I, I can now see how they can actually, or those moving parts, can actually positively impact um, you as a business, as in uh, this license itself opens the doors to be able to work directly with banks, which creates more business opportunities. Adding, uh, of course, a lot of complexity as well. So exactly. uh, there's more requirements from the regulator as well. Uh, yeah. But to be honest, I think we're also in a, in a pretty good shape. Uh, we have a good uh, good team who are handling this, uh, this domain. Um, and um, pretty much, uh, eventually, we see it as a as a more positive way. Even though this requires more uh, changes, maybe on the product or in the technology, instead of delivering, let's say, a, a new product or improving the product itself. But obviously, also the eventually the regulations. It's also uh, good for the users in, uh, in yeah. case it's about uh, uh, really making sure that. Uh, the entire crypto industry is becoming more and more mature, uh, which which is a good thing. Uh, yeah. mean it's adopted. It means that uh, that uh, it's it's becoming less and less risky. Uh, yeah. If you look for the first for the first time, uh, I think very relevant with the Russian Ukraine uh, situation. Actually, yeah. you are required also, uh, or the European uh, um, um, basically recognize that hey, the crypto is one channel to move funds. And transfer a lot of money. So actually, as a crypto operator, you need to also block uh, Russian uh, wallets. Uh, really? So if if you see this recognition on this level, it means that it's also more and more being taken seriously and becoming yeah. more standard. I think the crypto world can learn a lot from the financial world, from traditional financial world, and you can see that there's a lot basic things that implement in the crypto world that are coming from the traditional world. But on the other end, the, the traditional financial world can can adopt more of the blockchain technology and the crypto um, uh, advantage. And I think if you look at the future, it's really coming hand-to-end as well. So like uh, there will be a learning from the two, two sides uh, and they will become very much integrated. And that's, I think, Mika is, is really the first uh, big step uh, to getting there. 
Uh, I was going to ask, actually, what, what do you think the traditional financial ecosystem could learn from blockchain technology? What, what do you think their first learning could be? I, I think is pretty much uh, from the technology point of view. Also, after working in banking for for a while, I think it's it's uh, simplify a lot, creating uh, transparency. Uh, I think that is a lot from technological point of view by itself. Whether if you are uh, of course like a, a fully decentralized or or, or, or semi centralized. Uh, the technology behind a blockchain, I think, can be revolutionary. It's uh, making things much more efficient, uh, faster, yeah. and so on. Uh, this this is slightly off topic, but how do how do you approach infrastructure at Vivavo? Because you know, as I listen, and I've done enough of these podcasts, and I've spoken to a number of people in um, payments. We've spoken to people in digital assets before. I'm I'm keen to understand your approach and maybe cloud services that you use or if you run services on premise and why or why not what what's your approach and angle um so we currently we run everything in the cloud uh, we use AWS as a provider uh, as I mentioned Kubernetes as well um personally uh, I'm mostly um advocating for uh, cloud-native solutions. Uh, yeah. So pretty much it can run anywhere. Um, so if it's the Kubernetes, the Istio that I mentioned, the monitoring, uh, Grafana, Prometheus, all this kind of ecosystem around, yeah. around Kubernetes, uh, which give you the agility to, of course, you don't want to be, unless you have a very strong use case, you uh, you. You can also theoretically operate also multi-cloud. I think yep. that, for example, if you look uh, these great solutions on all the providers, um, Azure, Azure, Microsoft Azure has some advantages uh, working on Google Cloud in the past. They also have some different advantages. And AWS, uh, of course, has its own unique advantages. I think that what would be useful is, of course, to use S one singular cloud provider, but if it's a good solution for another cloud provider, I don't think you need to uh, just be hooked with a specific one. It's actually fine to maybe use some solution from Google. Uh, of course, you have to be aware of the uh, network uh, request transfer cost. Uh, yeah. But but for the rest, I think you don't have to uh, to uh, put barriers on yourself to to only certain certain. A set of, of products that uh, one cloud provider provides. Yeah, if could that be a challenge? If or, or is there a disaster recovery scenario that that would take place at Bitvavo if something was to happen to your cloud service or environment? Um, the, the setup. The nice thing also with Kubernetes is that it's uh, of course uh, multi-zonal, uh, multi-regional. Even that's what we are working on uh, as well. Nice. So uh, basically, if uh, if one zone uh, goes down, these uh, two other available zones with the load balancer can automatically switch very fast. We also have a multi-cluster setup of Kubernetes, uh, and actually we have. A kind of uh, using ECO, we can communicate between those clusters. Nice. And if even if one cluster is down, theoretically the load balancer can uh, move to a replicated or cloned uh, workloads on a different cluster. 
Uh, yeah. It's also part with a canary releasing or blue-green releases, uh, with whatever uh, definition you're more familiar with. Uh, this is uh, also part of it as well. So like, how can you ensure that you can roll out changes uh, yeah. with zero, zero downtime and have zero maintenance window? You can see why people need to know their shit coming into the business. They they really need to know their stuff to ensure that you're secure, reliable, available, so you can keep running. You can you can make the crypto world go round, right? Absolutely, and uh, I think also the security, of course, is very uh, yeah. important uh, important matter. Uh, how you set it up? We see that uh, every few months is one company being hacked and. Uh, to be honest, that, that's, of yeah. course, uh, somewhat scary also as a, as a CTO uh, uh, because we, we're dealing with people's money. So we yeah. security is one of our pillars that is very important for us. Uh, if it's bringing uh, the, the uh, security expert in-house uh, in our security team, if it's uh, also hiring external uh, provider who can audit actually uh, if it's retining, if it's pen testing, if it's uh, checking uh, also as an external, what are the uh, possible vulnerabilities, scanners, yeah. all those layers on the CICD, on the code level, uh, anomaly detection to, to see that, uh, um, let's say, there's no new ports out of a sudden use yeah. or something is mining Bitcoin on your, on your servers. Uh, uh, <laughs> three years ago for a very uh, known, uh, a very useful plugin in GitHub. Everyone just updated the new version, but it was actually mining Bitcoin. Um, so I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, kind of backdoors. Uh, and I think uh, yeah. it's very important to stay up to speed with all of those. And on top of it, make sure that you have the, because even if it, if, if it does happen, uh, you yeah. want to make sure that you are covered. So that's why we're also ensuring our uh, customers, uh, all, all the accounts and wallet up to a, a certain amount. Um, so just make sure that you are covered from all, any kind of, yeah, yeah, any I kind bet. Of yeah, I bet. We love to use the, the podcast as a vehicle for for people listening who are really interested in the product, the business, what you're building. You've given us a great overview and gone into some good detail. It, it would be great to understand a little bit about the, the growth plans. I mean, in terms of hiring growth plans so people can understand if they're the right profile, how do they get in touch with you? What are you going to be looking for? It'd be good to give us a little bit of that insight. If you can share with us what they're going to be building as well, great. But it'd be good to understand a little bit about the growth plans over the next 12, 24 months, if you know that far, but 12 really. Definitely. We already have a hiring plan for the coming year. Uh, while obviously not just the crypto world, but the technology industry yeah. is more like slowing down, or even cutting, cutting off. I think Bitvavo is fairly still a lean company. Uh, it's still yeah. a startup uh, mindset, even though uh, we are much more uh, mature, let's say. Um, so we hire quite a lot of uh, new roles. If it's a uh, backend roles, if it's a uh, uh, DevOps engineers front end, we really hire uh, across all the the spectrum of engineering. Yeah. Um, yeah. As I already mentioned, touch some of our tech stack. I think. Eventually, to be honest, I don't really mind what we don't really mind what tech stack you use as long as you are a great engineer, know the, the foundations of a clean code, clean architecture, uh, no scalability, 
um, that's enough for us. So if you're a curious person who loves to learn, uh, definitely I think you will find uh, um, something interesting within Bilbao. We have currently seven, uh, seven teams uh, yeah. and we are in for all of them. Love it. Okay, cool. And Amsterdam only or Netherlands only? We are operating in the heart of Amsterdam on the Kaiserhacht. Uh, we have a pretty nice office. Uh, we work, of course, hybrid. Uh, yeah. In the, in the case. Uh, but everyone uh, is currently um, employed by the uh, within the Netherlands. Got you. Okay. This has been 30 minutes of class of great delivery on some of the challenges a crypto exchange growing to 2 million customers technology challenges uh, i'll be watching i watch everyone in truth uh, who we talk to but i'll be watching and i want to say a big thanks as well you know you've come on board and delivered an awesome piece for us if you're listening guys and girls and you're an engineer that, that loves clean code, clean architecture, and knows a thing or two about scalability. Come and look at these guys. Have a look at Guy. Have a look at the business. They're bootstrapped, so self-funded. They're probably not going to fall into the craze of what's going on, sadly, um, with some layoffs. So check some of the links below. Like, share, subscribe, show your friends and family. And big love from Elfonet Engineers. And Guy, thank you. Thank you, Elliot. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. See you all soon.